from worlds beyond to write at the gaming table. These are all my fantasy children. Welcome all to all my fantasy children. My name is Aaron Kitano Saez. And my name is Jeff Stormer. And this is All My Fantasy Children, a world building, character creation, story building podcast where each week Jeff and I head back go to, to a barbecue. We I was... go to a friendly barbecue. <laughs> we just hit the backyard, we light up the grill, we get out some brats, we get out some veggie brats, we get out some steaks, we get out some burgers, we get out some grilled veggies, we get out some fish, you whatever your plan. dietary needs, we got the barbecue for you. And I'm ready. I am hyped for barbecue. Oh my god. Are you are you ready for warm weather? I am ready for barbecue season. <laughs> and I'm more importantly ready for everybody to feel comfortable at barbecue season. Because like I, I want everybody to feel happy and healthy and warm and friendly when we fire up that grill. I'm hyped. Hey, I get it. I, I myself consider myself a bit of a... I'm a grill master, Jeff. Really? Yeah. Only because the sword was passed to me, though. The spatula nah, was passed fair. to me. Fair. That's fair. I pulled it from a hunk of meat in my mm. garage, and mm. I became the grill master. I don't know if you've seen the movie The Page Master. Yeah, It's not like that. It's not like that. It's pretty much... It sounds like you just it sounds like you just pulled a spatula from a hunk of meat and arbitrarily declared yourself the grill master. You know what, is Jeff? That right? If you don't if if you don't feel entertained in my court, you know, which is essentially my living room and there's just meat starting to pile up, you can go. I did notice that you didn't deny my assessment of the situation though is the thing. If you are not displeased with the way the grill master runs this kingdom, you may leave. I'm not. I'm not commenting on the grillmaster's ability to run the kingdom. I am just commenting on the fact that you still have not said the words. I did not arbitrarily declare myself the grillmaster after pulling a spatula out of a hunk of meat. Jeff, you said you wanted comfort and barbecue season, and I am trying to provide it. But there are laws in this kingdom. Okay, that's fine. I'm just. I just want that noted that that was still not a denial. Aaron, do we have a prompt this week? We do. I swear this isn't some UCB shitty sketch. <laughs> Um, hey everybody, uh, we do have a prompt this week, and we're gonna create a fantasy character from it. Just imagine that bit never happened. No, no, we, it's important that they know that that bit happened, because I'm gonna call back to it at least three times. Three times? Well, what do you know? Wacky improv. Uh, yeah, the prompt this week comes from... (laughs) Done with this podcast. Same. The prompt this week comes from Twitter user NWFairy. Uh, VJ is the host of Hedged In, a changeling story, an actual play podcast that you should totally check out. The prompt this week is, she stood on the altar of stars and sang. The words that were sung were true. That's a very good prompt. It's a very good prompt. So what are you, I want to dive right in. Bits aside, I want to dive in. Let's dive in. I told you before we started that I want fantasy i want a character class i want a protagonist and antagonist i want like some kind of dungeon cave castle that has to be like crawled through for whatever reason to save the day by this character and i don't want like Mm -hmm. the antagonist to be circumstance (laughs) all right all right but my twist for you is not twist i will say that this person she stood in the altar of stars and sang the words that were sung were true i'm gonna go ahead and say that that's the end goal I think so. Is to yeah. get to the altar of stars. 
Yeah. Okay, so this this person. So we know from the prompt that uh, the pronouns are she, her. Mm-hmm. So I want... We, we talked briefly on Discord about um, what is a cleric in fantasy. And can you please say it on air so we can, like, go with that? Because it's so Yeah, sick. for sure. So we talked previously about necromancers. We talked about the fact that necromancers, whether through birth or by training, are people that convene with the power, the energy of the ley line to pull forth a person's spirit. Not necessarily their actual full consciousness, but the imprint that they left on the world. Imagine that that after you died, somebody could create a, a mold of you from your footprint. That, but in sort of an ethical, global sense. You know, your your role in the in the world story a necromancer can pluck that and bring you bring an es- an aspect of you back to life yes a cleric the thing that i've pitched is that a cleric is the inverse of that which is they can convene with that imp- that footprint while you are alive i did oh, it's so good but then the moment that you die there it's it's gone yeah, that that you you are you are gone from the world. So when you say convene with that footprint when they're alive, does it mean like? Because what I get from that is like, if you Jeff were sick, I could like basically fiddle with the magics inside of you and heal you, or like make you feel good. No. Um. What were you thinking? What I was thinking was along those lines, along the lines of fiddling with the magic inside of you, but reflective of the person that you are oh. highlighting and strengthening and and growing and using the gifts that you have to grow magical to grow magic from that so you're essentially saying that a cleric in fantasy gives someone superpowers based on who they are essentially or oh, and, and uses that uses those super can can channel those superpowers themselves or lend them to the person in question. Stop it. Okay, so this is like a really, this is like bard jacked up to a thousand, where it's like bringing out your latent, this is a support class, basically, that Mm -hmm. would bring out your latent abilities. Like, if you were a fighter and, you know, and you really loved, like, pottery, it would be someone's, like, you would get, like, triple proficiency with, like, clay weapons. Yeah, and you could shape the close their eyes and lay hands and whisper a quiet song and you could shape the earth itself into your weapons. Okay. Or being in your presence that maybe they could also shape weapons. Like being oh, in, God! Pulling, you know, pulling from the, the essence of the people around them. They can do magical things and they can give those other people even greater magic. It's like some kind of like conduit. Each person is like a conduit for magical yeah. energy, like enhances them and themselves, like been pinging it off of them, like a yeah. cell phone tower of magic. Right. Or a lightning rod. This, okay. What culture do you want this person to be? What, what, what have we done in a while? Halfling? Hmm. We could go with halfling. Yeah, yeah. It's been a minute for a halfling. So we have a halfling cleric. Um, what is her name? Hmm. Oh, okay. So her last name is Gallengal. Gallengal is a good name. Yes, because that's a. It's like a ginger. It's like in the ginger family, I think. So what is her first name? Is it Ginger Gallengal? Uh, it is now. You like that one? Yeah, that's a good. I like Ginger Gallengal a lot. So ginger Gallengal um, is a cleric. Does it matter where she is in the world? No, 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 no. Let's focus on... No, because hmm. the story starts when she arrives at the dungeon. Yeah, oh. You're kicking it up a notch. Jeff, I'm already so happy with how this is going. 
Okay, so what's the dungeon? Is it a castle? Hmm. And the altar of stars is on, is in it? Is it the top? And you have to like fight mm. your way through basically like Spencer's, the Arclay Mansion in Resident Evil 1, like that kind of thing? Or is something on top of it? Like, does she have to get to the cave where the altar of stars is that's underneath of a castle or in a mountain or something? What do you, what do you think? What are you feeling? I'm feeling a castle. Like, I'm feeling perils and Castlevania-type feel to this story, because it's a cleric. So I'm trying to think, like, what is the opposite of what that would be? You know what I mean? Like, no one Mm -hmm. thinks of, like, a cleric in, like, you know, a squishy robes and stuff, like, busting into a castle and, like, wrecking shit. But now that we've made someone who can, you know, tap into the abilities of others and enhance them, you know, we can have a badass on our hands. Yeah, right. So talk to me about this castle. Why? What is it, first of all? Why, why is she mm. there? Why is she at this castle? To find mm. the altar of stars, yes. Yeah. But she has to, okay. So the prompt is, she stood on the altar of stars and sang. The words that were sung, and capitalizes sung, so is words, and so is, were true. Hmm. So the altar of stars. Yeah. It sounds like, and, you know, correct me if, if you're feeling going in a different direction. But it sounds like the altar of stars is an altar, yeah, or is a is a a chamber of some kind that if you sing to if you sing at this altar, the words that you sing are true, you can dictate a line of reality, yeah, if you can make a wish, yeah, it's a wishing well, essentially, dictate the lines of reality is basically a wish, okay, so that's that's some shit. But you have to, but you have to sing, you have to sing at the altar in the tongue of the stars, Ooh. A, a language that is not, that is lost to time. It's not just something anybody can roll up on and can't get their wish. No. Oh, and also like, you have to say it true. It Can it not be like a selfish wish? Hmm. Or they, the words that were sung were true. Oh no, I do like that you can make a selfish wish, but you have to do it the right way. Yeah. It's about, it's about learning. It's about learning the, learning the song of the stars. It is about learning the language of the stars. It is about, you know, being in the place, doing the thing at the right moment. And then the end, there's just an energy in the air. I have an idea. She is in the, what's a good space word? Uh, hmm. Quasar? She's in the, she's in the Quas the Temple Quasar, or Quasar Keep, Quasar Castle. I like Quasar Keep. She's in Quasar Keep, and the lines of the song that you sing, you find them inside the temple, in the, in the, in the Quasar mm. Keep. Mm. So she has to, like, go from place to place, learning a line of text from room to room. You know, from, from challenge, every challenge, basically, every, like, Zelda-style boss she kills, you know, she mm-hmm. gets another word of this language of the stars. Yeah. Hmm. I like that a lot. I'm thinking she want. Why does she? Okay. So now that we have this, and this is like, is it dangerous? Is this quest dangerous? Oh, for sure. Each pl- each room in Quasar Keep teleports you to a different star in the universe. Let me pitch you something. Okay. And tell me if we've already done this because, like, there's a voice <laughs> in the back of my head that says that we've already made this a thing. Okay. The Chrono Flow. Yes. That's it. That's the pitch. <laughs> yeah, 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 no, Jeff, yes. we already named it. No, we haven't. What, what, what is your idea for the carnival? No, no, no. <laughs> what's up? What's up? What do you think? What if the Quasar Keep is to space, meaning physical distance between things, mm-hmm. as the chrono flow is to time? It is a physical structure that 
encompasses all of the galaxy. Oh, fuck. Within this, you know, keep. Like, and in, 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 along the lines of what you were saying about, like, each room takes you to a different dimension, it is, you open a doorway... And you are on Sacrale, or you oh, op- or you look okay. through like a storm cellar door, and you are in Empress Empress Fanta Phantasmagore. <laughs> I forgot her name. Her name is Empress Plasmagore. You open it. You open Wait, a storm no, cellar. No, you don't get a do over. <laughs> Empress Plan. Wait. Empress, Empress Phantasmagore is the alternate. Is the like. Is the alternate universe version of Empress Plasmagore. Empress Phantasmagore is a fan of Empress Plasmagore that changed her name to reflect that. But she's just like a vamp. She's just a vampire on fantasy. Like, hey guys, I'm a vampire. Everyone's Live like, my vampire life. Nobody cares. Um, okay. <laughs> Are so, you in space? No. Okay. Can I? From so based on that, I want to tell. I want to pitch something to you. I just watched uh, the movie It. Okay. Right, and I'm a big fan of the Stephen King like universe thing, and where it comes from is like in Dark Tower they call it the Todash Darkness, mm-hmm. which is like the space between alternate universes. So like if there were two rooms separated by a wall and there was a crawl space in the wall, that's mm-hmm. Todash Darkness. So I'm thinking the the hallways we'll call them to these rooms are where you okay. So you said that it encompasses all of space, right? Yeah. I want to say that the altar of stars does is like the nexus point, similar right. to like the chronoflow. And these rooms are just single spots. And each time you finish one in the space between them, you learn a word. Yeah. Okay. The words are hidden in the spaces between rooms. Yes. But to get to those spaces, you have to get through challenges. Who is issuing the challenges? Is there a is there like the keeper of the, you know the quantum keep quasar keep is there a keeper of the quasar keep you know is there some kind of ruler do you want to say yes we said we didn't want I said I didn't want circumstance why is she doing this all right let's let's say that mm. let's go back why does she want to make this wish you know the ultimate question that I always ask is like what does she want from this quest and from life you know she's a cleric. Does, is that power innate or is it trained? Like Necromancer, we said you're either born one or you're not. A cleric, is it something you can learn or is it something you're not? It's just like the inverse of a necromancer. I like it. I like it being trained. Okay. I like it being a trained thing. Okay, cool. So this is someone who's like studied the ways of amplifying magic. Yeah, they have studied people. Okay. Okay, they have studied people. Are you talking in the way of like a social worker or in the way of, like, a town leader, a town elder, like, just knows a lot of people. Both. Okay, cool. And then some. So, pitch me. Hit me with that. To become a cleric, you can't... It's... it's there's. I kind of think there are two ways to really get to this sort of magical cleric level of, like, understanding people. Okay. You can do... No, I don't think you can... I was gonna say you can do one thing extremely well, but I think you kind of have to do a thousand different things and get an understanding of them you have to lead people right you have to you have to see the world from a political standpoint you also have to help people from a social work standpoint and like understand problems and how to support people you also have to probably like serve in a military or something and understand danger and threats and protection 
you have to you have to walk in however many shoes oh before you can truly like capture someone's mind that's so fucking good first of all jeff that is so fucking good i have to say to you that's banging because basically what you're saying is like I don't know. This is my. This is what the image that pops into my head, right? In the video game, this is my only reference point. Final Fantasy Tactics. Once you've ma- there's like say there's sixteen job classes. Once you've mastered like nine of them, you can become a master mime, where basically you can pull upon all the things that you've learned. Mm-hmm. I'm seeing that as sort of the similar thing, where it's like you can't even touch this skill of like basically waking up someone's potential and also taking it and using it for yourself as a weapon and drawing upon it mm-hmm. until you've seen everything until you've like you said walked in a thousand shoes until you've been a knight until you've been a wizard until like you've been a parent a lover you know what i mean like someone who has lived is it a life experience type thing it is absolutely now i want to throw in another video game now that we're talking video games yeah I have totally another video game that i would like to throw a video game detail i would like to throw in please that ties into a long time all my fantasy children trend okay that i think is funny okay have you ever played the game Dragon Warrior 3 or Dragon Quest 3? I have not played a single Dragon Quest. Uh, it is the one of the first video games I ever played. It is a pretty standard, like, role-playing game for the NES. You know, it's overhead view. You march around. It's a role-playing game. Mm-hmm. There is a class, you, and, but the thing about it is you, and much like Final Fantasy 1, you pick your class. Like, you, you, you enlist people from different classes. Yes. One of the classes is called the Goof-Off. And they're bad at everything. Okay. They're bad. They are not good at anything. But if you put a goof off in your party and you level them up to level 99 or whatever the maximum level is, they can access restricted classes without the requisite like items and quest completion that you would need to get to otherwise get some of these classes. Okay. So what I am picturing is if you are an entertainer and you have so thoroughly captured the hearts of the world then your art becomes it gives you cleric abilities basically what i want is wizard will never get there no but all of the other stage magicians stage magicians comedians musicians type thing all of these other people that we have crafted can eventually, if they master their craft to a certain degree, unlock these magical powers. So it's basically like, uh, like you you break through some kind of limit barrier, like you break a limit barrier. You know yeah. what I mean? Like you break through. You know, it's basically someone who's on their grind for ages, trying everything, learning everything they really can, nose to the grindstone. Because if you can break through that, you become like incredibly fucking powerful. Yes, I love this. So then I'll ask you, what was she before this? Hmm. We said uh, it's usually like typically an entertainer, but it's also someone who's done like social work, you know, military work, political work. I think she's gone about it the hard way. Okay. I think she has literally done all of this work. Yeah, yeah. But what was her first thing? You know, what is she? Everybody has a starting spot. What is hers? Where did she start her journey as? You know, I'm seeing humble beginnings. Bounty hunter, and here's why. Oh, I like it. Let me follow, follow, follow this through. I'm down. A finder of lost things. She's the person you hire if your if your dog go like if your dog has run away. She finds your dog. She's just like somebody who lives around town who is good at like tracking things. That's like childhood shit, where it's like you know maybe even like 
at a, to a smaller degree, when she was literally starting out at like eight, the kids would come to her and be like, Ginger, I lost my, you know, like little kid wallet. And she's like, I'm on it. Like, you yeah. know, kid detective. Grew older and actually t- took on like, like cases of like, hey, I think like my kid got lost in the woods. Can you find them? And she would go off and find the kid and bring them back. Yeah. And then she stumbled on the mystery of the Quasar Cavern. When? Young? Like a no, young-ish? I think fairly old. Okay. Fairly old-ish. How old are we talking here? How old is Ginger Gallengall? 36. Okay. So how does one stumble upon it? Or does 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 she know about it but has no... Is it because it's scary and it's difficult? Why does she want to go? Is, I think, more important. Then we'll figure out, like, how she learns about it because, like, what is her wish? What does she want? She has this ability that she's worked all her life for. You know. She figures it out, and it draws her to the to the cavern. It draws her to the keep, and to the altar because. And this brings back two big questions that I want to get to: people, things, places have gone missing. Oh, so this is like this is the not to water down your idea, but like the dusk sea breeze of space and space, where, Essentially. where dusk sea breeze locks up time. Something is happening where chunks of space are missing. And which brings us to what I want to pitch to you as the antagonist of this story is the Altar of Stars or the Quasar Keep. Okay. It is simply a place, a presence, a... Imagine if the chrono flow runneth over. Ooh. And just flooded. That is what the Crystal Keep... That is what the Quasar Keep has become. Things are just become lost in the keep people places moments locations anything related to space becomes swallowed up by this endless dungeon chef i don't know if you know that you just described it that there is a black hole within the quasar keep Mm -hmm. you just said it's just sucking things up so i'm thinking that this is like are you thinking natural disaster type feel where all of a sudden, like, the Quasar key, like, how does she know it's in there? You know what I mean? Are things being literally pulled into it? Is there a physical pull pulling this human being that's like, there's something in there that needs to go? You know what I mean? Is there a disaster in fantasy where there's a literal black hole, like, you know, destroying an area of the planet? And this is a powerful person. This isn't like Joe Schmo. Is that it, where, like, fantasy and, like, you know, limited locust caliber destruction, all of a sudden there's, like, a patch of void in the world where it's, like, the it's literally the edge of the world, it looks like, and things are collapsing in on itself, and at the mouth of that, like, you know, uh, cliff, basically, leading out into what looks like the vacuum of space is, like, a staircase that leads into, like, a mouth, Imagine that, but instead of a void, it is like a dungeon hallway. Ooh. Like a dungeon, like a brick, a giant brick building just like swallows up, yeah, like a brick wall just swallows up a neighborhood. Or somebody like falls into essentially a manhole and suddenly you're in a labyrinth. Does it grow though? Like I'm saying, does it appear one day and start swallowing an area of the world? Yes, but I think it is. A, I think the secret is that it has been it has been appearing for for no one knows how long, and it just took somebody. 
it took her figuring being like, oh my, this is what has happened to all of these disappearances and all of this, these unexplained phenomena are all caused by the same thing. This thing, this natural disaster is just consuming space and it's just consuming places and people and objects and things and locations and it's just putting a dungeon around things it's putting the world in a bubble you're saying like if the quasar keep were two hands and inside of them is fantasy and it's slowly just like pressing down yeah to crush it like it's surrounding it like a cage and eventually collapsing in is that kind of the feel a little bit where it's consuming the planet a little bit yeah and then not just the planet it is consuming all of the galaxy oh so like the material plane is being destroyed is being, there is this thing that is inexplicable, this inexplicable, like, stone construction mm-hmm. is enveloping the world one place or person or thing at a time. I like it. And and that's why it is literally, like, a series of doorways and rooms that are hidden in different parts of the galaxy, because one day, a, a science lab on Sacrale just... Somebody walked in and was like, when did we decorate everything with weird gothic stone designs? (laughs) And then suddenly they're just in a dungeon forever. I, okay. So I want to stay away from the fact that, like, she sleuths it out because we have, like, ten detectives. What pulls her to it? How does she find, like, where it all begins, like, the mouth of this dungeon? Or how does she start? Is she so powerful that she lets herself be enveloped? You know what I mean? And she literally fights from, like planet to planet from space to space until she reaches like the altar of stars what if she does not let herself but it, it just happens and she goes okay i love i it. gotta figure this out she's sleeping in her bed in like anime style like falls through it yeah and wakes up in the mouth of a cave or yeah. she wakes up in a dungeon in like in a world that's like a twisted hell mansion of doom you know that's just where mm-hmm. she starts Okay, so that was a lot, and I love it. So this cleric, who is she, though? You know what I mean? How does mm-hmm. she know about this? Because does she learn as she goes? You know, and who was she before? We said that, like, she was, like, a junior detective and lived the life, but, like, you know, like, who was she? Where did she grow up? Mm. What kind of life did she have? Mm. Uh, do you want to roll on D&D tables first? And then we'll figure out her quest. Yeah. Let's roll in her background. Let's start yeah. with it. Let's start there. Uh, I have the background that I want to use. What is it? It is the folk hero tables. I love it. Because I picture her, if she has walked in a thousand shoes, I picture her as a folk hero. Oh, no question. This is like a living legend. Um, Roll me a d10. We're going to figure out the defining event that is the moment that she went from just being... Uh, a woman of the people to being a, a supernatural being. Love it. Five. I led a militia to fight off an invading army. Oh, fuck. Okay. Um, We don't have, like... Like, we have monsters, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So was there just, like, a town she had lived... Like, she's been all over the world and has lived, essentially... Like, we have a lot of people who've, like, lived a lot of lives... But mm-hmm. it's just kind of like, because that's how I wish I, if I could be as old as people in fantasy, that's how I would want to be. Mm-hmm. I'm seeing her as like, she's in a farming community, you know, outside yeah, yeah. of Purethra Guild. And she's just in a very small town. 
called like called dust swept dust swept and it's nothing it's it's just a barren like crops are struggling and that's why she moved there to be like and it's let's go ahead go ahead oh and it's one of those towns where it's so small that everybody kind of does everything just because there's not enough people to fill all of those roles yes and a roving band of not a roving band but like an onslaught of give me what's a good monster that attacks a small small like i'm talking population 40 farming town of dust swept dust swept uh giant locusts we we got those we got those in we got those we you're got right some planning. i forgot about that i was thinking like a whole <laughs> cloud of them but like yeah i was got, too i was too road. i swear and i was like nah lemony what if it's like from the earth like some kind of like earth beast like mud or something that causes like famine hmm. like a drought monster hmm. if we want to go that route we could go with uh there's a monster called a purple worm that's just a giant purple worm. Yeah, I'm down. So my idea is Dust Swept is like facing a drought. It is, they are struggling, you know. It's, yeah. Nothing is growing. It's hot. It's, it's no water. This is rough. And, you know, Ginger's been there now, like farming and trying to get this town on its feet. Because I think that's how she rolls. She shows mm-hmm. up like a true fucking hero. Like that's I, I'm seeing like we we have heroes in like strange ways. This is someone who is essentially a superhero, the way you described a cleric, comes to a town but like lives a life with those people. Doesn't like save them once and is like, see sayonara. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. see you later. They're like, oh, welcome to Dust Swept. You know, we haven't really been growing a lot of crops. The water's been difficult. And I think she's the one who's like, all right, well, we can get this farming community back up and running. Uh, I'll do my best digging a well. I'm th- I'm thinking that's how it starts. She digs a yeah. well and feels like the vibration. But what mm-hmm. the big point is, you know, the farm, the purple worm bursts from the ground. It's like opens its mouth and there's thousands of rows of razor sharp teeth. It's about to shoot a beam and she reaches out her hands and f- like to as if protecting the crowd when in, but what she really does is wake up their latent abilities and they lead their assault. Like these 40 farmers lead an assault on the purple worm now empowered by her cleric abilities and use their new nature magic to destroy it. Yeah, I'm down with that. And that's that, great. Okay, cool. And that's what? The moment? What was the dice roll? I'm sorry. I got so swept that's, up. That's her <laughs> defining event. That is the moment that she tapped into her infinite power for the first time right yeah so she thought she was just like you know stay back i'm powerful as fuck in my own way like you know she has the ability to do like she's she can fight i guess and she has like she knows some spells maybe Mm -hmm. and that was the moment when it was like the people like the heart and the passion of these halflings in this town just like kind of you know she had she knew them you said you have to know them this is someone who's like been eating feasts and celebrating festivals and like struggling and sweating together and trying to grow this town and grow these crops and like that passion and that love and that level of harmony in a community pinged off of her and like bounced back a hundred times over and that's badass as fuck so let's roll on a d8 for personality trait okay i feel like delete the entire episode until this point no. <laughs> three when i set my mind to something i follow through no matter what gets in my way sounds perfect to me this is yeah. like a driven individual it's a true this is a true hero jeff she is somebody that 
you know, says, I'm going to learn this skill and then spends like six months learning this skill and becoming really, really good at it until a new skill falls in her lap, which is how she ended up in politics and then farming and then cooking and then the military and then cooking in the military and then writing a, writing a small run of comic books. <laughs> And then this, and then that, and then the other. Can I give you a pitch about her, uh, where she's from and her deal? Yeah. Why she's like this, you know? Why she's someone who's like, I will move to your town and, like, you know, help pick you up. And, you know, when I get, when I start my mind on something, I follow through. And she has followed through on countless things. Like, the grind is so real. Taking you back, Sam Gord, Madame Mysteria. She grew up in post-Limini. She grew up in Grasshopper City when Limini was in charge. Mm -hmm. And time, I think she grew up alone. She grew up on the streets of Grasshopper City, you know, struggling, I'm thinking. Like, this is someone who, unfortunately, grew up in, like, pretty desperate, dangerous times when a giant locust was in charge. And I don't want to do another character that, like, saw Madame Mysteria and was like, I want to be like that. But there would be a lot of people, honestly, around the world who would be like, you know, someone went after something. Well, then let me let me if if let me throw you another idea then, because I have another pitch for you. If that's where she grew up, yeah. If that's where she lives, then maybe she just campaigned for change. Ooh, maybe you know we said that there was the election between Sam and Mysteria, but maybe there were other candidates. Like Ooh. maybe she was like she ran against Chad Butternut too. Yeah, and she was probably like a third-party candidate that didn't get the ground support that she needed to really make a dent in the election, partially also because she wasn't willing to kill people for her cause. She was like, I'm going to just run the race. Yeah. And so she, like, worked at it, and she started working hard, and... <gasps> you said she worked in politics. Yeah, she got her start in politics, and she's shaking hands. She's running favors for people. She is a bounty hunter. She is she is working and shaking hands and meeting people and meeting people and like learning who they are. Yeah. And what they need and how she can help them. I dig it. Which is how she goes from job to job to job. And she's like, well, people need help. Like we live in shitty time. Yeah. And especially seeing like the the reality of uh, hi, junior wizards. I hope you're caught up. The reality of seeing uh, Gord Mysteria, you know, in their campaign against the chad and the cricket like you would if you didn't agree with like mysteria being like i'm going to kill it and if anybody gets in my way i'm gonna kill them too you know if you didn't agree with that you would have like this is like a very strong-willed person who's like i don't agree with that you know if i heard someone campaigning like that against the cricket i would be like you'd kill everyone oh my god mm -hmm. like that's a lot and i see that being uh ginger gallingall's way of being like we can just we can help people we can build things you know because mm -hmm. i'm seeing this power as you know it pings off the cell phone tower and enhances you but it really does build something within you you know it it, it builds your strength she she's a builder she builds connections between people mm -hmm. she builds communities she builds, you know, your strength and she builds her own power as a result. It's not someone who's just lifting you up. You know, she's getting just as buff as you are every time. And it's it's something that comes from growing up in this place of violence, to be honest, and just like mm -hmm. one thing consuming the other, you know, endlessly devouring itself is the story of Purethra Guild. And it comes from the feeling of helplessness that comes with watching people hurt. Yeah. 
and not feeling like you can do enough to help them. So she says, okay, well then I'm going to learn how I can help them. Like, I don't have the skills to help them right now, but I'm going to, I'm going to get them. Yeah. I'm going to learn those skills. I love the fact that she's inspired by the bad things in the world. Because usually in like, you know, in these heroic stories, it's like, you know, she wanted, you know, um, Gigi wanted to be like her mother. This mm-hmm. is like inspired by like, we can do better than this. You it's know? the world is hurting and anything we can do to help that. I'm going to help it. I love that so much. What's the next table? Uh, Give me a D6 for an ideal. Perfect. Two. Fairness. No one should get preferential treatment before the law, and no one is above the law. Why do you take that? Because I don't want to be like, it's someone who respects the law. No, it was somebody that watched people get hurt and screwed over by an unfair, like by an unjust system. And said, we deserve better than that. We deserve we deserve a world that takes care of us and fosters us and makes us wonderful. We don't deserve a world where we suffer, where we hurt. And like as like a, a story, like lore note, I think this is someone who watched the rise of Justice Judicator and the Knights of Justice and kind of was like, I don't know if this is me. I don't think we need a, a third order. You know, it's something mm-hmm. that's like, I, I think this comes from... And I know Justice Judicator is like, we have to do it from, you know, changing ourselves and stuff like that. But I think it's someone who left Pyrethra Guild after the cricket was dead and Justice Judicator started doing their thing. Mm-hmm. It was just like, this isn't for me. I, I want to touch the people who... There are more people hurting. I, I, my skills, my skills won't help here. They will help other people who are hurting. Yeah. So she hit the road. I love it. I fucking love this. Okay. Is it Flaw next? Uh, bond. Bond. D6 for a bond. Four. My tools are symbols of my past life, and I carry them, so I will never forget my roots. Okay. She's got a scrapbook. Oh, yeah? Of little details from past lives. I of, Like, all it. the places that she has helped. She has a little scrapbook. Pictures, news articles, poems, that kind of thing. I think that's so wonderful that there's a small, like, a small but thick book just of... You know, reminders of the life she lived and the things that she's accomplished and maybe even the failures that she's had. Mm-hmm. Like just it's a kind of like a journal of this quest to better everything, you know, mm-hmm. real quick. How does she feel about this power? You know, is it a lot or is it like I have a responsibility and I I feel good about it and I feel this responsibility is to like lift people up and help everything? I think it's that I th- I think she's pretty OK with having these powers. OK, I think. Because I think with those powers comes an understanding of like I can I can give people something to help them. Like this is it is a symbol it is much like everything in her scrapbook, it is a symbol of her responsibility to help people. You're right. Her power isn't hers, it is the people that hurt that she can help not hurt. So this is similar to like she's almost like Rogue in a way, if she kept the power if Rogue kept the powers permanently without killing anyone. Yeah. I am obsessed. So this, while the scrapbook is like, you know, the physical manifestation of all these memories, like within her is also like the same thing. And she draws it out depending on what she needs. Mm -hmm. That's so good, Jeff. All right. Give me a D6 for a flaw. Two. I'm convinced of the significance of my destiny and blind to my shortcomings and the risk of failure. She won't stop. She's relentless. Yeah. And it is a it is a bulldozer journey. I think that mm-hmm. has to do with 
I think that has to do with what do you with the quasar keep? Okay, with the disaster happening. I think yeah. I think once she's in the dungeon, she's like, "Well, I'm destroying this. Yeah, this is hurting people. This is going away. Yeah, without it, without a second of consideration of what will happen if she blows up the quasar keep and the altar of stars and all of that. Yeah, because this is someone who like, if this is someone who is what is it blind? What was it? Uh, blind to my shortcomings and the risk of failure. This is like we're just going in. We're going in ham. There is a force that is literally devouring the planet and converting it into some kind of universal dungeon of darkness i'm going in and i'm gonna get rid of it you Mm -hmm. know just i don't care what happens this is i think like this is what she thinks she's been put on fantasy to do Mm -hmm. you know everything has been leading up to that point and whether she's right or wrong it's getting done so when she's okay is it something she's seen so the quasar keep now we're on the adventure is it something she saw happen and identified it, or is it a mystery? Is it like, you know, the te- she goes back to, like, a town she's been to before, and it's just, like, a brick dungeon now? If there's just, like, a, a castle of stone is where it stood. I like that. That's cool. And so she's going back, and she's like, you know, <sighs> this is a tough one, because... I don't want it to be like she chases it around the world. You know, we've done that before. So something original that's like, why does she, how does this quest start for the Quasar Keep? Hmm. You know, is she told about it? Or does it just consume her? You know, this this force. What is the Quasar Keep? Is it just a black hole? I think it is just an infinite black hole of a dungeon that just expands for, that will expand forever unless it is destroyed. Unless it is detonated from the inside, essentially. At the altar of stars. Yes. How does she know that this can even be done? You know what I mean? Is this a new concept or is this like a legend? Hmm. I like legends. It can always just I be a legend. legend. We can go with okay, a legend. Okay, so how is the legend told to her? You know, does she hmm. find out through her many travels? I like, if we're going with legend, I like the idea that it that there are variations of this legend in place of like in different places. And she kind of, like, pieces together the common thread. Okay. Like, she hears somebody say, like, well, if you're bad, the, the dungeon will swallow you up. You know, you'll be trapped in a, oh, yeah, my, my uncle was a really shady character, and he got swallowed up by the Sea of Stone. Some people say when you die, you just go to the dungeon, and if you're good, if you can navigate your way out, you come back to life. Yeah, and I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if it's necessarily, like, I've got it. If it's someone who's heard this countless times, you know, about this... People have been hearing this folk legend, this folk tale of, you know, it, it appears in, you know, children's stories. It appears in sci-fi fiction. It appear in fantasy, you know, about this prison of stone, this mm-hmm. endless void dungeon that, like, you know, if you walk, no one ever survives the first room. You know, they say, like, that's like a version. Maybe that's like a hell fairy tale. Mm-hmm. If someone woke up in it, this is their life's work to like know people and know myths and know life. Yeah. And it's just like, th- I'm in it. Oh my goodness. I'm like, in. This is the thing. This is all of these stories. This is what they had in common was this dungeon that ever, that always expands and always swallows things up. All right. I get it now. I fucking dig it. But she doesn't know how to do it. Not at first. Are there hints in the stories? I think, okay, okay. Can I pitch you something? Yeah. Because I'm trying to condense this now because I don't want the episode to go on for like four hours because it could because it's sick. I will say that these 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 stories and these folklores, right, 
It's spread through music in fantasy, in the history of fantasy throughout time. This has been a presence. I will say that from the, from the, even from the time of Ether and Astra, there is a thing in the cosmic and material plane that cannot be, that's not within their control. And it is a, there's a force. There is a thing. It's just a, while there is chaos and while there is order, there is something that devours. You know, there is something that just consumes. It's made pretty much like, think of it as like the fuse on the universe. Like no matter how powerful you are, no matter if you're Ether and Astra, something is always squeezing the box just a little bit. And that's not good. I'm not saying it's an inevitability of the universe, but something else has been present since the dawn of time that through generations and fantasy on Sacrale, on every world, on Orcus, there has been something that you get, you can get trapped in, you fall into, and you are eventually destroyed in this quantum, this quasar keep. Mm-hmm. And in song, it's just been, it's been sung of, and I'm trying to link the prompt back. You know what I mean? Like, how does she know right. to sing at the Altar of Stars? At, like you said, there are bits and pieces of this language of the stars, right? This language from before time. Mm-hmm. Little pieces of this language are scattered through the dungeon, right? Yeah. Places that have existed before the dungeon expanded to swallow up the universe. Yes. By finding those places, by navigating the dungeon, by completing these challenges, by fighting these monsters, which, by the way, I'm pitching as the monst- the things that have been swallowed up by this entity. So it's just like creatures and people and things from across the, the galaxy. Oh, fuck. Some of which she has never seen before and will never understand. No. By, by completing all of these challenges, by working with or striking down these beings, she finds little pieces of a language that was written from before time, right? From, from the time of Ether and Astra. Yeah. She finds pieces of this language. And when she finally gets to the nexus point, when she finally gets to the altar of stars, it's about speaking that language and putting those words together and understanding what they say. And understanding how to speak that tongue that lets her sing the song that just causes the Quasar Keep to go away. To just, it just deletes from space itself. Because that was the wish. That was the wish she makes is the Quasar Keep is no more. It ceases to be. Can I pitch you something? Yeah. Because I'm thinking what makes uh ginger gallon galls like journey important like the things that she's learned and the people you know she's heard all these myths right and she's heard all these points of view in fantasy is it a phrase that if you're going to because i'm thinking this this the prompt sounds like a prophecy she stood in the altar of stars and sang the words that were sung were true is that in any culture in any part of the world a thing like a phrase is that a you know is that a myth you know and she finds herself in the culmination of all of these like stories from different cultures you know what i mean you know what i'm saying yeah i like no i like i like that like, a lot in in beast folk culture you know in elven culture there's a variation of the phrase she stood on the altar of stars and sang the words that were sung were true and people think it's like a creation myth people think that that's like you know it's it's just a fun like story about a woman that sang on the altar of stars like the dragons see it as like you know if you're going to declare your love before the stars make sure you sing the words that are true the elves are like 
to sing on the altar of stars is to present your art or your craft at the highest level and to give it like everything you have yeah and like all of these things have uh like in since meeting all these people and like spending so many so much time with so many different people i think that like the words along the walls and you know as she's walking through these hallways i'm hearing like there's tones and little like the sounds basically of the universe would be the musical composition of the song you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like she hears tones and pitches and in a re- in a repetitive way. And whether that's the universe like guiding her to her goal, she'll never know. But she knows that like there's a tune following her. There's music that's with her as she walks, as she's picking up the words on the wall. And when she gets to whatever the altar altar of stars looks like, whether or not it's stairs leading up to you know, the she stares into the swirling black hole or like this. Yeah, the center of all galaxies. She's staring into it and there's just a little platform and she knows that she stands on the altar of stars and sings. And the word mm-hmm. that she sings better be true because it can undo this. Like I'm seeing she's in there for a very long time and sure. fantasy is like almost gone, you know. Maybe mm-hmm. maybe this is like a legit disaster that happened in fantasy, where like it was almost completely turned, con- consumed by the Quasar Keep, mm-hmm. until the legend of Ginger Gallengall, this this woman that everyone knows, you know, this person who didn't, you know, didn't put on magic spectacles and get a magic katana, doesn't have summoning magic. She learned her ability. She got her power through like compassion and people. And that is what led her to singing the Song of the Stars and reversing this. So in a way, it's like it was everyone's battle. She used mm-hmm. a bit of everyone to get there. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes this, I think, such like a an interesting tale about like reversing a catastrophe that saved the world was she as a cleric, the most powerful cleric, got this power from the world, not from herself. Yeah. Fuck. Is that it? And I think is, that's a wrap. I think that's the tale. And now kind of I want to play a game, Jeff, where we go through the goddamn Quasar Keep. Damn. Thank you, NW Fairy, for your prom. Thank you, VJ. Um, go check out Hedged In, a changeling story on iTunes. Hell yeah. If you'd like to submit a prompt of your own, there is a lot of ways you can do it. There sure are. You can tweet at us at AMFC underscore podcast on Twitter. Use the hashtag fantasy children. Yes. Uh, you can also post them to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash all my fantasy children. You can email them to us at all my fantasy children at gmail.com. You can post them to our discord at bit.ly slash AMFC discord. And last but not least, you can send them to our website at all my fantasy children.com. If you'd like to support our show with some fine earned coin, there's a way you can do that. You can become a backer of our Patreon page. Patreon backers uh, unlock sweet reward tiers like early access to episodes, bonus content, and it helps us like strive toward new goals, like new shows, actual plays, audio dramas, and things like that. Like Rose's Guide is completely funded by the Patreon. Like that was a milestone we hit, and mm-hmm. we have a lot more cool stuff, like a, a bullshitting chat show where Jeff and I just talk about stuff. Um, you can find that at patreon.com slash all my fantasy children consider becoming a backer but if that's not your way and you'd want to help us our show help our show out in other ways jeff how can they do that uh you can leave us an itunes review you can give us a shout out on social media you can tell a friend about the show any way that we can bring new listeners to the show and do bigger better and cooler things is a we deeply appreciate every single little gesture that comes up along the way because 
anything to help us grow, you know? Yeah, it's a very nice way. If you like what you hear, tell a friend, you know, because I can only tell so many people. It's up to you, Junior Wizard. Jeff has a second pod. Jeff has another podcast, and it's real fucking good. Uh, Party of One <laughs> is an actual play RPG podcast focused on two-player role-playing games. Every week, I sit down with a guest one-on-one, and we play through a short, self-contained RPG session. You can find that at partyofonepodcast.com. Yes, you can. Uh, the last one was really good. Uh, Starcrossed with Alex Roberts. Yeah. It was a game of forbidden love about two people who really, really want to, but really, really shouldn't. It is played with a tumbling wood tower. You know, the classic family game of Tumbling Wood Tower, because we can't say the copyrighted name. I can say it. Um, It's called Kawabenga. Yes, thank you. Kawabenga. (laughs) Um, We specifically told the story of two professional wrestlers, because I'm a parody of myself. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it was brilliant. It was a sweet and bittersweet and sad and loving story about two people trying their best. And it's a very good episode that you should check out. Yeah, do it now. Um... What else do we do? We do a verbal hug each week. Uh, Aaron has a Twitch stream that you should oh check out God, at twitch.tv slash Mount Holly Hero. If you like your games of the video variety, you should check that out. Yeah, do it. And just come hang out in the chat. You don't have to give a shit about what I'm playing. All I do is talk to I, you. I, I don't, and I hang out on that Exactly. Chat all the time. Like, Jeff don't give a shit about what I'm playing. We're just here to hang out and chat. Um, so, yeah, check that out. Twitch.tv slash MT Holly Hero. All one word. Um, we give verbal hugs every week. We do. We do indeed. I have one this week. It's kind of about the, it's kind of about the episode, you know, cause this one, it was rough. I was super nervous about this episode. I can't lie. The interdimensional stuff and like the idea of like, don't be afraid when you're making shit, it doesn't necessarily have to be like, there's no right way to do it. You know, don't be scared that you're going to fail because a lot of moments in this episode, I won't lie. I was pretty scared that I was going to have the I was going to say the thing that fucks up the story or say the thing that made no sense. And it like just sounded bad. But like, that's not how we get there. You know, if you're going to do something, believe in it, love it and just kind of go with it. Enjoy the ride. Like when we really started getting cooking about like, you know, once we got to Purethra Guild, I was like, okay, this is it. Just because like, we're just saying shit and then we justify it. And I needed to trust that more. And you should trust yourself more, listener, because there's no wrong way to do anything. If you're making something and you're enjoying it, there's no way to fuck that up. The only way you're going to fuck it up is if you don't have any fun. No, being having fun is the thing that matters. Like, if you're not having fun, like, that is the thing that we're all after, is the thing that brings us joy and, you know, lifts us up. Yeah. So, have fun. Lift yourself up. Do the things that bring you joy. That's a good verbal hug. I like it. Do things without hesitation. Um, Do you want to know the joke that I was going to make when you said uh, the barbecue king? No. Yes, please. I was going to say that we're back at Pier 1 Imports. And Jeff is in the rafters. And I really <laughs> wanted to make a parody version of Phantom of the Opera, but with the Phantom of Pier 1 Imports. Next time. <laughs> There's always next time. There's always next time. Because I'm always going to be in this Pier 1 Imports. You can't kick me. Put some pants on. You can't kick on. me out of here. They're, they won't kick me out. I know, but like you're still naked and like you're still at a desk. I wear clothes sometimes. When it suits me. Also, can we talk about how Pier 1 tweeted at us and thought it was like, <laughs> tee-hee? And I was like, we were talking about Jeff's dick out at your store. <laughs> <laughs> Joke's on you. You're going to tweet us Totino's pizza roll memes. <laughs> we're talking about the weirdest shit imaginable Pier 1 <laughs> Twitter account. 
and we will continue to tweet about it. I'm going to tweet them so hard after this episode. Like, we totally give you a shout out at the end. Flash forward to this. And I'm like, well, Jeff's naked at Pier 1. Aaron is shooting napkin rings out of a t-shirt gun. Now, that sucks. Um... I just don't want to be naked at the Pier 1. No, I get it. It's you got to you got to commit to that lifestyle. I know. I'm still at the docks. I'm still in I'm still at what what's that town called? Mud Trap. Ass Mud naked trap. in a bathtub. <laughs> uh, okay. And on that note. <laughs> good, good night, night and, and good, good game. game. <laughs>